0: Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the Real Nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com. And you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never.
1: Shot and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real
0: nerd can a fa- film. I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
2: Take it outside.
3: <laughs> well, a real nerd knows who shot a real nerd.
1: This, the Israel Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of all your movie needs. I am Ryan and I am joined by the OG, Brad.
2: Brad in the house.
1: And that's it, Brad. It's just you and I, the originals. Just us. Yeah. Everybody everybody's asking me when the originals. We're like the um the multiverse that people wanted to see. We're like, you know, Spider Man from two thousand and two. Totally. And everyone says, man, we wish it was just those guys again. And, you know, they might have hated our third movie, but now it has this like soft spot in people's hearts. And, you know, that's who we are now.
2: <laughs> that's a really good comparison. Yeah. I like being in the in the Blade X-Men era, although it is Singer. But yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we just ignore him.
2: Yeah. It d- doesn't diminish the work that all the other people did on that film.
1: Yeah. It's like when you see a movie with Kevin Spacey and you go, man, that guy's a great actor. Too bad in real life, he's a fucking piece of shit. So, you know, <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. Uh, every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we see a new movie and podcast our experience to the world. This is going to be a unique episode because, Brad, I wasn't able to get out to see Vengeance because it only shows like three times a day at like one of the Alamos in town. And I, I didn't I wasn't able to get it. So you saw Vengeance written and directed by ryan howard i mean uh pj novak BJ e. novak and um i watched hustle the new adam sandler movie on netflix which Stay i couldn't doing. do
2: because i don't have netflix so
1: i know and well the streaming thing's getting ridiculous which we'll talk about later um but uh we'll tell you if you should see the films or not play the trailers and then spoil the movies i guess for movies we haven't seen together so i guess we'll just talk about them and if we liked them <laughs> uh but enough about you know this job you participated in your 11th 13th um 13th 48 hour film project and can you give us a little taste of what we can expect from team nebulous visions
2: well also 16th if you count the november ones that i've been doing so but it's the 13th for 1 and this year we I, I drew out of the hat fish out of water as the genre. Uh, hmm. we could have done holiday or vacation film, but we decided on fish out of water. Um, and we created a movie called Salmon Agua Loco. Okay. Yep. And so your, I, your,
1: your idea for the title is to make sure no one can pronounce it so it won't win any awards
2: uh yeah not even the people in the film could pronounce it without a lot of coaching um you know i i actually just think it, it looks really interesting written down man <laughs> um <laughs> once you get past the uh the tongue twistedness of it um i i think it'll it's it's pretty grabby but um yeah uh we shot it early on saturday um and and filmed it in record time for us usually we're filming to like seven or eight but we finished by 10 a.m uh and then we spent the next seven or eight hours editing it um our first editor you know cranked it out and then eileen took a pass at it and by the time they were done i barely touched it oh wow yeah so they did a great job of that and then i spent you know the remaining time through sunday polishing it and then um you know, I was, I was watching it and there's, you know, some things I wish I had done better. And then I decided like, you know what? This is good enough that we should try to make it better. So I called everyone out to the location again. Luckily, new image, new image brewing in Arvada. Um, a great little place. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, patronize them if you can. Um, they, uh, open up our, their doors a second time. Totally cool bunch of people. And we got our pickup shots that. Oh, wow. Just greatly improved everything we did. Cause you know, I shot very minimalist. I went into this weekend being like, let's do the bare minimum. We're all tired. Let's just get a movie done. And then after watching what we had, I was like, you know, we could do better. And, um, so the initial shots were just kind of like three people in the same angle, um, uh, like floating handheld shots and then it kind of looked repetitive when you watched it and it was a little boring. So luckily the second time we were able to go in and get some different stuff, uh, so different you, focal lengths. You basically
1: and... Kevin Feige did it where you assembled it. It's ready to go. You watched it and you're like, no, we need to add something to this.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm Marvel studios. did it <laughs> Marvel studios? did And uh yeah. And then uh I tag teamed uh, a bunch and... of different. Yeah. With tasks with Eileen. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that I usually, keep to myself um i outsourced to her and we did a lot of stuff remote still uh despite being free to you know be in the same room with everybody again in these um you know we just sent a lot of projects back and forth and um turned it in an hour early so nice Um, nice so yeah and then um yeah we we don't get to watch it until next month so wow um oh yeah after we were done uh i was so excited i we gathered the team and went up to like a apartment movie screening room and watched everybody but uh yeah uh, a month from now actually six weeks so it's a while before you get to share them with everybody and then the the best of is shockingly two weeks after that which is it's kind of a backwards this year so
1: um so without giving away the film what's it about
2: uh i'd say uh it's yeah it's uh i'm trying to remember the logline uh, we we entered but um it has something to do with um like two people who are kind of different from everyone else um try to make a connection and it, it goes kind of weird so the fish out of water, they're not supposed to be at this bar, uh, cause they're very unique people. And, uh, I don't want this, the surprise is I, I think once you watch it, if I, it, it'll, I can't say it cause it's, it's so integral to the enjoyment of it.
1: So people meet at a bar and they're fish out of water.
2: Two, two, two unusual people meet at a bar, uh, on a, at a tinder meeting and it it goes very bizarrely
1: perfect and the name of it again is
2: salmon agua loco and i'll never remember that how do you spell it salmon like the fish Mm -hmm. agua like the spanish water and -hmm. then loco like spanish crazy
1: oh see i see what you did there
2: yeah yeah it's fish
1: out of water crazy
2: crazy fish out of water. Exactly. It's the nice. name, it's the name of the liquor in the movie. Very cool. The liquor at the bar liquor. I barely knew her. Um,
0: yeah.
2: So yeah, thanks again to everyone on the team this year for indulging me for another 40 hour film. Uh, it, it means a lot that people will still take a weekend off to make these things with me.
1: Uh, it, it, i ask you this every year is this is this the one that you're gonna win best of with of course dude hell yeah
2: it's the one we tried the least hardest on so <laughs> <laughs> that's not true we we tried pretty hard well um, but the intent was not to
1: uh if if you have enough talented people working on hey that's all that matters
2: and even if, if even if it doesn't win i think uh it's so much fun this one that um like I, I think it has to win at least audience choice. It it is. I, I my perspective was skewed because I was so like brain dead by the end of Sunday. But everyone in the room when we watched it were just cracking up. So nice because um, they didn't they didn't get to see all the polish you know I I, I put on mm-hmm. it. So Um they were like, wow, this went from this to that. It's amazing. So and there's still Very stuff cute. I didn't get to do, and so there will be a director's cut with additional things that. You know, I didn't get time to finish that I wanted to, so it'll it'll be even better. Hell yeah.
1: Salmon Agua Loco. There we go. So This yeah. week.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Zach is uh, not here because he's recording a different podcast, so.
1: Okay. No, fuck him.
2: But he hasn't seen the um, movie anyway, so.
1: Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the horse he rode in on. Do people still ride it in horses? That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. There's i'm a, gonna put
1: a hitching coach post in front of my house just because
2: <laughs> someone rides up next to your house like hey i heard, I heard you uh, <laughs> on your podcast you don't think anyone rides up to places anymore <laughs>
1: right, so you got your hitching post ready <laughs>
2: <laughs> just some random cowboy that'd be awesome he's even like straight out like he's a time traveler like <laughs> yeah. heard you got a hitching post here
1: Yeah, I want him to have, like, a toothpick in his mouth, too. And, like, you know, permanent five o'clock shadow. His hat's kind of pulled down. So you really can't see his eyes. So he's kind of mysterious, but in, like, a handsome way. You know what I mean?
2: And then you're both like, okay, well, what now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah, I don't know.
2: (laughs) Just hitching.
1: (laughs) Just hitching. (laughs) Frost brand. Just hitching hitching posts for luring cowboys to your house.
2: <laughs> Guys, I couldn't see the movie this week. Laura wanted me to build another hitching post out front.
1: For some reason it's attracting a lot of cowboys. <laughs> and some bandits. You know, you don't see bandits around too much anymore.
2: I mean, your profession has... Uh, <laughs> well, weeded them out, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that style of bandit for sure. <laughs> you know, I, I want the handkerchief... Covering the nose and the mouth, wearing all black, you know. So, like Those little things in life.
2: You're chilling in your, in your squad car, and you see some dude at the come and go with like a little uh bandana around his face and cowboy hat, and you're like, nice.
1: Yeah, except except no words will be spoken. It'll be like that Robert Redford gif where I just look at him <laughs> and just nod approvingly. <laughs>
2: And he runs out of the store with like a bunch of lottery tickets and you're just like, nice.
1: Yeah. And then he'll just grab the brim of his cowboy hat and like tip it down, you know? Like we have mutual respect for each other because you don't see bandits anymore. It'll be a good time.
2: It's like, good on you. Good on you, bandit.
1: Yeah. I'll allow it. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen one of you in a hundred years. I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho. Uh Brad, this week you were able to sneak away and see Vengeance. Do you recommend Vengeance?
2: I do. I was really into the movie. I was a little turned off by the ending though. Um it was so it was so shockingly out of place for me that I I questioned whether I liked the movie anymore. Um but it's definitely a very uh enjoyable watch uh you know dissecting the divide between rural and city uh is basically the the plot behind this movie um where uh I'll I'll describe it after the uh the trailer but um yeah I, I enjoyed it even though the ending was like what?
1: <laughs> cool. Here's the trailer for vengeance.
3: I have a story. Okay. I'm in West Texas, where this family just lost their daughter to an opiate overdose. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's okay, it's not someone I was close to. But you flew to Texas for it? Uh, yes, uh, it was a girl I hooked up with a few times. Her family thought that we were more serious than I did. I've heard so much about you. I've, I've heard, yeah. Evelyn just didn't die, she was murdered. What? The two of us, are going to avenge her death. So as like a personal boundary, I don't avenge deaths. But here's what I can do. I'm going to record everything that you think happened to Abilene and we'll put it on a podcast and we'll see where it leads. What evidence does he have that it was a murder? Nothing. And that's the story. What's this podcast about? A new American reality where people invent these conspiracies. You got deep state, pill pushers, cartels, the law, because the truth. Is too hard to accept. My Prius exploded. Oh, my God. What if you were driving a real car with gas and stuff? The problem isn't that these people aren't smart. The problem is that they are. How do you take your coffee? In the mouth. If you want people to open up to you, you got to act like one of us.
1: Who here is a diehard
3: fan of the University of Texas? And who here is a fan of Texas Tech? What if she was murdered? This just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Looks like two pairs of prints, cowboy boots. Calling out an APB to find two men wearing cowboy boots. <laughs> what happened to her? Why do you care so much? Why do you care so little? We're so lucky in you, Evelyn. I really don't know what you saw in me. Art sees art. Texas has a full right? You can't solve something like this with a 45.
2: It's the breakdown of society, is what it is. I
3: think that's very wise. Nice.
2: <laughs> You're going to need a 12 gauge, a couple of ARs, no. Wesson yep. automatic, and no. a sidearm
3: no. yep. for no. safety. Exactly. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in an Uber.
1: So I'll set you up, Brad. Uh, I, I do know the synopsis of this film because I listened to BJ Novak on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and he talked about it.
3: Perfect. Um,
1: he is a journalist slash podcaster from the East Coast, and he gets a phone call that his girlfriend died, and he goes down to a small town in Texas. And while he's there, he thinks it's going to be great content for his podcast, but he soon learns that it's more than he realized.
2: Yep, nailed it. Sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, beyond that, it's just, uh, you know, his character and the, uh, characters in Abilene that he encounters are, um, it's just fun to watch, um, and watch them kind of like butt heads against each other. You know, the, you know, PJ Novak's character is a fish out of water, uh, in this movie. Hey-o. And, uh, then the family that he interacts with are really convinced that, um, you know their their sister uh was murdered um and then you watch you know, kind of predictably you're expecting like okay you're going to watch pj novak exploit these people for personal gain um but it's really more of um like he kind of does that but uh the more he just uh listens which is kind of a theme of the movie to what's going on in their world the more he changes um and and comes to their um know, rejecting parts of his life in favor of theirs. And, um, uh, yeah, then there's like, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Ashton Kutcher is this like record producer in there who has like these sort of brilliant words of wisdom about like life in general. And, um, it, it, it encourages him to like listen and watch what's really going on in this community. Um, and it's like, when he first meets him, he's like, he watches all this wisdom gets bowed to the, this like girl he's recording for an album. He's like, this guy's just trying to like, you know, uh, butter her up, you know, so you can like, get closer and stuff. But then mm-hmm. the scene, like he continues and goes on. Like everything is saying is, uh, actually like re- resonating with him. Um, and it's like impressive to watch. You're like, God, that's like poetry. Um, mm-hmm. and like, it actually has me. And then the ending, um, it's such like a 180 to all that that I was just like, so it it, it shook me. I, at no point was exp- and it, it seemed so out of place for the character. Um, since you haven't seen that, I'm trying not to spoil it, even though I'm sure that would be fine for a normal episode, but
1: yeah, don't, cause I'm going to try to see it tomorrow. I think.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's good. Uh, despite the ending just feeling out of character for me. Um, So I I would love to hear Novak's take on why that he did that.
1: Uh, You know, he doesn't mention specifically the ending. Uh, You should, I mean, his interview with Conan is really funny, Mm -hmm. but he he mentions in his interview that uh, there is like a huge twist in it. And he didn't know if he wanted to go that route, but you know, I, I guess he did. Um, yeah,
2: actually there's two twists cause there's one and they're both of the end, but yeah, there's, there's one that's for the plot and there's one for a character and you're just like the first one I was fine with, but the second one just felt completely unnatural. So I, i be hmm. interested to hear which one he actually, I'm sure he means the second one, but cause it's yeah, so uh, shocking.
1: so, it was interesting because he was talking, too, about how a lot of people from that sitcom world go on to be, you know, directors. I mean, the Russos started on Community and uh, things like that. Or, you know, Joss Whedon from Buffy into the Avengers. and
2: Or John Krasinski, uh, I won- even.
1: Yeah, John Krasinski. I-, I-, I wonder what working on a sitcom prepares you for that. I wonder if it's the schedule of trying to put something out in a week, you know what i mean? Where you have that pressure. Well, and... they don't
2: necessarily make the episodes week to week, but you know, they they film a bunch of scenes in many different episodes over a course of several months, you know, based on the most efficient shooting order, of course. Um so
1: Yeah, but what i mean is you still as a director though, you don't have months to shoot. You have
2: Yeah. You so know, it's, it's compressed timeline for sure.
1: And I wonder if that helps you when you move on to projects like this that, hey, if I can do this compressed time frame where this, you know, I have to get all these done in a certain amount of time, then if I'm given more money and a bigger scope, then it doesn't seem as daunting as maybe someone who hasn't done that before.
2: Well, plus too, uh directing is more uh, directing actors and finding emotion in characters and helping them through it. So. You know these people were actors on a sitcom, um, yeah. And then like the Russos are probably just—I I imagine in TV when you're on a television show, you're with like the same people for a long period of time, so you learn how to communicate with everyone. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that translates to, you know, when you go off for three months and shoot something completely separate with a, a new group of people.
1: Yeah, it's just—I mean, I just—it's always fascinating. Um, I always pimp. You know, Conan's podcast, because it's really interesting because it's, he interviews these people for an hour straight and sometimes he gets really interesting answers to questions. Um, in this particular one, um, BJ Novak talked about why Steve Carell is so funny and why he thinks he, how, you know, he wrote that George Foreman bit. And no normal person would ever do something like that. But the comedy comes from the actor being a really good actor first. And the comedy just makes it believable. And it, it, I know it's a really fascinating way to look at where you're not trying to be funny. You just are funny, if that makes any sense. Um, so it, to get some insight into him and his, Thinking behind this movie, I, I mean, you should definitely check out his interview with Conan. Uh, sure, because how he builds up to what he did on the thing, and I learned he did Punked with Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> so that makes uh, sense. Yeah, uh, I guess he was one of the actors and writers on that show, um and how that prepared him for. <laughs> making movies, and I don't know. It's just interesting how everything comes full circle. And you, I never thought he was that old, but I mean, I guess he's in his forties. So,
2: yeah, well, those know. people are and forties and fifties now. It's crazy, and I know it's weird. And you just think about it, and
1: how f- how time goes by so quickly. You know,
2: it's it's weird because when the show was on the air, I didn't really think of them as similar ages to myself mm-hmm. and now that i'm in my 40s i'm like gosh those were my yeah. peers back then and I, I just thought they were a generation ahead of me you know yeah
1: i know and you think you know bj novak's like 44
2: yeah <laughs> fuck look what I he's mean, done and look what I've i done. know
1: <laughs> there is this um i don't know it is definitely who you know though because um he and Krasinski and like Conan were all in the same like area in Massachusetts. And then they all ended up going to Harvard and, you know, writing for the lampoon there. And,
2: um, yeah. And a bunch of other people from like St. Louis, like Jenna Fisher and James Gunn And yeah, uh, I think Creed Bratton even. Um, yeah,
1: It's, it's, it's a trip.
2: So yeah, if, if I had gone to LA when I was like 22, who knows where I'd be?
1: Yeah. You won't be talking to me on a podcast, that's for sure.
2: I'd be like Ryan, who I left that guy behind years ago.
1: <laughs> and I'd be like, please. Hey, I'll be like, uh, <laughs> I'll be like the clone trooper in Obi Wan. I'll just be like, you know, forgotten about on the streets of some planet, and and then you'll give me, you know, a quarter or something.
2: There you go, peasant.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: While you're in your use loads. it to watch my new movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh cool. So uh Ryan, you watched the uh, Hustle, not to get yeah. confused with The Hustle a few yeah. years back. How was the hut or how was Hustle with uh, Adam Sandler? You know it's
1: pretty good. I heard uh it's another film of his where he's not I mean there's a couple funny lines in it, but he's not being funny. He's a yeah, you should definitely, if you have Netflix, you should definitely watch it. It's another layer that is Adam Sandler. Um, here, here's a trailer for Hustle.
3: Taking me to see basketball or bare knuckle boxing. We do everything. <laughs> I'm Stanley Sugarman. I'm a scout for the 76ers. So you're 22 years old because you can't be in the draft if you're over 22. Yes, I'm 22 years old. Who's this? It's my son. How old is he? He's 10 years old. Okay. Okay. Miss Philly thing. There's room to grow there? I want to coach someday.
2: Do you love being away from home all the time?
3: Best chance to win in here is with you out there. What the hell am I still chasing this for?
2: So you're just gonna give up on your journey?
3: Been in this league for 30 years, and it's like, I'm nothing. Look at this guy. you come to Philly, your whole world's going to change overnight. I got to work. My mom and my daughter, they mean everything to me. Salary's $900,000. He will call his hick. In all the years I've been doing this, have I ever reacted this way? He's raw. We train him, get him in NBA shape. What do you say? It's not going to happen, Stan. You just got to get back out there. You know, I haven't been home on my daughter's birthday for nine years running. I'm not asking. The Sixers don't know you stashed. him. Being the guy who finds the guy matters in this business. won't inspire fire you for this. I just want to make sure I do what's right for the kid. He's got a daughter to support. You got a daughter to support. Where are you from? Spain. Sounds weird. You think you can stop me? Welcome to America. That wasn't him. That wasn't even close to him. I fly home tomorrow. Is that what you want to do? Hey, you love this game. I love this game. I live this game. Let's get to work. The draft is in six weeks. If we're going to do this, we got to do it ourselves. No doubt about it, it. That kid's got it. you need a hand up, you don't need nobody's help. We need a spark. This is all for you, pal. least for us. Okay, it's for us.
1: In Hustle, Adam Sandler plays a basketball scout named Stanley Sugarman, who travels the world looking for the next great player. And that means he's in hotel rooms, eating fast food constantly. Um, and, uh, he, he's a scout for this Philadelphia 76ers and he's tasked with scouting this one guy and, uh, he doesn't like him because he takes plays off and things like that. And he clashes with the owner's son who thinks he's going to be a, a generational talent. And the owner, uh, the son is played by, uh, Ben Foster and, Uh, the owner is played. Uh, Oh my God. I just drew a blank. Um, Robert Duvall. And, um, so, uh, to set the movie, Adam Sandler doesn't really fight for them not to draft this kid. Um, Robert Duvall pulls him aside and says, Hey, you got to learn to fight because you're now an assistant coach for me. And he, and that's all that Adam Sandler wanted to be was a coach. So he can stay at home with his wife and kid. Um, Later that day, the owner passes away and the son who already hates Adam Sandler takes him off of being a coach and sends him back out as a scout. And while he's, uh, in Spain, he goes to an outdoor basketball game and he finds this kid who is raw, but a, a really great basketball player. And, um, he brings him back with him, uh, against, uh, the 76ers owner, who's now Ben Foster's character, and he ends up getting fired and he takes it upon himself to train this kid and get him ready for the NBA draft. And that's pretty much the movie. Um, but it's really cool. Uh, Adam Sandler is like, he, he's such a good actor and, uh, it, it's just fascinating watching him, you know, do this kind of film. And then, you know, his next film, he'll be going, <laughs> um, it, it, it's just, it's really well done. Um, they have a bunch of real NBA players in it. And the the kid who Adam Sandler helps is an NBA player. And he's surprisingly really great as an actor. Um, and yeah, it's just, a, it's a really good story. Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously has a lot of cliches in it, but there's something about sports movies that you always kind of rally behind. You know what I mean? Um, and it's, you know, it has montages in it and um you know, and then there's some tragedy with Adam Sandler's character and um why he's in the position he's in. So, yeah, I think if you have Netflix, you should definitely stream it. It's the, uh, it's, one of the better movies i've seen on netflix in a long time so yeah cool. if you're looking for a basketball movie you want to see adam sandler stretch himself as an actor
2: definitely stream hustle sports movies are easy to digest
1: yeah and you know you always kind of root for the people in sports movies um there's something about the redemption of them whether it's rocky or um i mean even something as like the longest yard and stuff um You can always kind of rally behind them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Hustle. Check it out. So, uh, at this point, Brad, normally I talk about box office numbers and then the news. But this week, the news is kind of heavy.
2: So... Do you think we're getting to a point where the box office comeback is a segment we don't need to do anymore?
1: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so here's, uh, movie news this week. It's real news. It feels like everything's a downer this week. Um, one of the original crew members from Star Trek passed away, the incredible Nichelle Nichols. That's right. And I know Corinne, who's not on this episode, wanted to eulog- eulogize her. Um So she's going to be sending something in, but I think it'd be remiss of us not to mention her con- contributions to the show, not only as uh, a, an actor on it, but also what she represented at a time when African-Americans weren't predominantly featured in a TV
2: show. I mean, as a Star Trek fan, I was going to mention it anyway. So um, yeah. Uh Tremendous legacy. Um, not just in, fil- in film and TV, but just in culture in general.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we, you know, uh, Zach moderated a panel with her, man. He did six, six, seven years ago. Uh, when was she at Denver Comic Con. I can't, man, I am so old. I can't remember. I saw um, her like two,
2: or, two or three times at Starfest. Uh, the last time, um, I was just walking around the hotel and almost bumped into her as she was being rolled along. Um is one of the things those things where like you're focused and then you like it registers with you like what well, you just
1: like, Yeah. That you literally just walked past an icon that yeah. is an eye I- like an icon of icons.
2: Like you, like you want to say something but like you just freeze up and you know yep.
1: because I mean even if you're not a Star Trek fan, everybody knew who she was and how important
2: and integral she was to the series. Yeah. Uh, you know, she, she wasn't just a, a pretty face in the background. She actually had a job among the crew, um, and was very convincing as the communications officer, um, you know, having, having to sell, you know, that no one's talking on the other end, uh, yeah. and, like relating this <laughs> computer jargon, um, so convincingly.
1: Yeah, and you know, to be in a room full of uh men and, you know, have that presence and be that uh memorable speaks a lot to her as an actress. And you know the the path she paved and stuff, I mean, obviously I can't speak to it because I'm a middle aged white dude, but um you know, it's so important to what she did and who she was and for her to not only she carried that legacy. Well, you said she was at three or four star Fest, but I mean, she was at conventions all the time and she carried that legacy and was always really cool with fans and open to them. I mean, because, you know, she did other things afterwards, but that's what people want to talk to you about. And you talked about it for over 50 years and she was always super nice. So
2: and you know, also famously, she wanted to quit the show. And then Martin Luther King Jr. stepped in and told her, like, look, what you're doing is really important. It may not seem like it now, but it, it matters. So she stuck with yeah, it.
1: You're right. And how true are those words? I mean, she's like she is an icon. I mean, uh, that's all I can say about her. Is she's an icon and and she just changed people's perspectives and. It's uh it's sad that she's gone but she left a, a behind a legacy that can can't be denied and a legacy that will live forever. And yeah. So warp speed for her. Yep. Um live long and prosper Miss Nichols because you did. And so uh the other Bummer news that, you know, Just I heard the ever, yeah, literally happened like three hours ago. But, um, again, I'm not going to say who, but I was very aware of this happening about a month ago at Denver fan expo. Um, some of the panels I did and then some of, uh, industry people that I talked to off the record, um, whilst I was waiting for panels or, talking to them before we interviewed them um, mentioned this to me that Warner Brothers Discovery, which is a stupid name, is really realigning what they're doing. And so the big bombshell today is Batgirl that cost $90 million to produce is going to be shelved and probably will never see the light of day. Um, and not only that film, but also they made an animated Scooby sequel that costs $40 million that they're just going to shelve and probably never see the light of day. And I, I, I heard rumblings about this and it's kind of shocking and sad at the same time.
2: Yeah. To not even dump it on streaming. Like it costs, like what is the cost of like, how can it be? Um, that detrimental to your business that you can't if you think of all the other like s- terrible movies that sit on streaming oh, in perpetuity yeah. and you're not going to sp- throw the one you spent like a 100 million dollars on on there to at least just get eyeballs and add to your portfolio of things that will pass people's time in their subscription like
1: i know and there's been rumblings that it's actually a pretty solid movie and
2: even but, if it's, like, a TV-level show, like, still, why wouldn't you do it?
1: I and mean, here's the thing, too. I think Morbius costs this much to make. And you're telling me you can't release this in theaters? Like, you don't have to spend, like, a Batman-size, you know, marketing campaign. Because the awareness is already there. We knew that Michael Keaton was in there as Batman. I know J.K. Sim- Simmons is per, uh, Commissioner Gordon. So you know that there is an awareness already built into this film. And it's, it speaks to how ass backwards Warner Brothers has been and how they mishandle their properties constantly. Um, whether it's, uh, I mean, this thing with the Justice League that keeps on coming out that, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago how Zack Snyder hired firms to drum up business for his cut of the justice league. But that report was done by Warner brothers. So as Warner brothers just trying to do a smear campaign and then they merge with this, uh, with discovery and they start canceling all their scripted shows on TBS on TNT, because they're going to go to some reality shows constantly. And, uh, just before we came on, Variety posted a new article where that reason these films might not show up either is because they might do them as tax write-offs, where they'll recoup all almost all the money, and a part of the thing if they do that is they can they can't sell them off to somebody else. So they literally wasted a hundred and fifty million dollars, basically on two movies and they're just not going to see the light of day
2: and but they'll get the money back for them
1: yeah and
2: then why not release them
1: (laughs) i have no idea and you know they're 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 screwed because they have this problem too with ezra miller with the flash which that movie was you know 200 million dollars and he is you know assaulting people kidnapped kids is being weird on social media they're fucked like i don't know what they're gonna do um and you know ben affleck is coming back as batman and i was hearing i, I was reading I-, I don't know if it's hollywood reporter or variety that that's because michael keaton got pissed he was originally supposed to be batman and aquaman too and um he got pissed about something and then at the last dish effort, they got Ben Affleck to do it. So, I mean, I have no idea what's going on at Warner Brothers.
2: That's just sad. Um, and insulting. Like, yeah. Cause I mean, all, they're, they're, those movies are practically done. Like, yeah.
1: And but, think about all the people that worked on it. Yeah. I mean, if I was them, I, I would sue because there has to be some back end on it if it was streamed by a certain amount of times they're going to make a certain amount of money off of it after the fact you know what i mean
2: yeah um that that ends up not in your portfolio if you're um i mean it'll it'll probably be listed but no one will get to see that work
1: yeah that or why don't they just put it on blu-ray you know what i mean like (laughs)
2: You, I mean, it costs way more to produce Blu-rays, I'm sure, especially for a movie that they think, but like streaming, streaming, like the infrastructure is already there. It's a file. <laughs> you,
1: yeah, it just, it is so bizarre what's going on there. And it makes more sense now. Um So Ed Boone, the creator of Mortal Kombat for the past 10 years, it would go injustice, Mortal Kombat, injustice, Mortal Kombat. And they haven't made a game. Well, they're making one, but there's no details about it. Um, it's been three years since Mortal Kombat um, 11 came out. And I think a big reason, and obviously he's not going to say it, is they can't do the DC one because they don't know what Warner Brothers is going to do. Warner Brothers Games publishes Mortal Kombat, so they can't say anything about it because I think they're actually probably looking for a new publisher. And as soon as they can announce who their new publisher is, they're going to announce their next game. Because if you see what this dude who's in charge now, what he's doing is he's basically, he was pissed and um some of the artists were rightfully mad that their movies were going simultaneously on HBO max and theaters. So they realigned everything where they're scrapping all their, you know, 50 million dollar movies that were supposed to be on HBO Max and now it's just going to be um theater tentpole movies. So now it's just going to be stuff like Aquaman and then you know Flash so maybe five or six movies a year. Um I
2: don't know man, I don't know. It's it's shocking that with all the TV shows and comics and merchandise is still not as profitable, profitable as a a streaming reality show.
1: Yeah, and I and I think stream. Well, this has always been my problem with streaming. And I mean, you can disagree if you'd like, but I mean, how do you even monetize streaming? It's all based on your subscriptions, and they do it by if you watch. So Netflix counts a rating as if you watch a show for three minutes. So if I turn on. I don't know, some bullshit, stupid ass thing they have on Netflix and I watch stream it and it's like, oh, this is stupid. But I watch it long enough for the algorithm to detect it as a watch. Well now that's why I have all those, you know, shows that I don't care about and places like Netflix and HBO Max or whomever you're skin you're streaming from, they're only gonna last for a couple one season because it's not new anymore. So, cool. Well, here's your 13 episodes. Well, we're just going to produce new shows, so we always have something new, and it'll create more uh, subscriptions, but it's blowing up in their faces. I I knew streaming was going to run into some problems, because they get greedy. I mean, my kid loves Netflix, but it's the most expensive streaming platform now. Can you believe that? Yeah. HBO
2: should be, but it's, yeah, it's not.
1: Yeah, I think I I got charged last month for Netflix and I think with taxes it was $18. And so it's basically $3 more than HBO. And on Disney, I get Disney Plus, Hulu and ESPN Plus for $13. And so a
2: lot of that's because you have HD um which in this day and age HD should be the minimum. Yeah, in exactly. The tier. So like you can pay $8 and you get standard definition. And you're like are you kidding me? It's 2022. Like we've had HD since 2007.
1: Exactly. And they're they're going to start having ad supported tiers. It's like so it's basically just TV. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I I've always had a problem with that, streaming.
2: Uh, that was annoyed me about cable is like you're paying a subscription for cable but they still get to run commercials.
1: Yeah, you're basically getting hammered twice. You know? Yeah, Um, because you have to watch the well, you don't really I don't really know anymore because I just DVR everything. But um, yeah, it's 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 a joke. As a Batgirl fan, too, I'm heartbroken because I've wanted to see her on the big screen for a long time besides being shoehorned in and Batman and Robin.
2: Yeah, and it's it was at the finish line. That's even worse. Like,
1: yeah, I think they've been done since March. So, yeah, I think it was supposed to come out in October ish. So
2: to not yeah. even put it on a yeah. platform to watch, they're just like, yeah, just uh throw all that footage in the vault. Who knows? Maybe they'll just delete the hard drives too. Yeah, fuck. And it's because that costs money to store, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're getting tons of bad press for. It. I, I will not be surprised the next day or so they might reverse what they're doing because it's like, really, you couldn't put like a twenty million dollar ad campaign. And put it in theaters, and at least recoup some of your money.
2: <laughs> I think is it is what, ninety thing. million? They could have yeah. got to ninety million and broken even.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing: Do you honestly do they honestly think it'll be worse than Morbius? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck.
2: I mean, Morbius does have the Sony Marvel connections, so that helps. But
1: it does. But all you would need, just like the Flash. You, all you need is a uh, Batgirl to show up and you'd see Michael Keaton in Batman's, you know, costume. And he's, you know, let's do this together. And you know that you'd have a team up of Michael Keaton as Batman and Batgirl. Dude, people would fucking watch that movie. I would.
2: Yeah. Morbius got to 73 million Yeah, uh, domestically, 163 <laughs> exactly. worldwide.
1: And that movie is not good. So yeah, so you run like a $20 million ad campaign. That's $110 million. So you need to probably make 130 to break even. I, I, I'm sure it could do that worldwide.
2: Is that's there a any part of you that occur. thinks that this is some marketing ploy to generate buzz for it?
1: I mean, maybe because Warner Brothers is, are fucking assholes. They did it for Zack Snyder's freaking Justice League. I I don't know what they're going to do, honestly. I mean, they're so up shit creek without a paddle that. I mean, you look at their thing and say, oh, cool. We have the Batman this year. Because their DC super pets didn't do that well. Man, they better hope fucking Black Adam does well.
2: And Aquaman.
1: Yeah, because I wonder if people are will sour so much on the brand that. You know they, they're just over it unless it's going to be Batman. And because Shazam. I we
2: got Shazam coming out too, man. Yeah,
1: Shazam's what Shazam's Christmas,
2: hmm.
1: and I mean that movie looks fun, but it's I don't I don't know, man. I, DC just first it was trying to compete with Marvel by rushing to Justice League, and now you create hostile work environments for actors on your sets. You do piss poor you know investigations into it and everything they do just looks bad and this used to be one of the you know most proud film studios in ever so i don't know what they're gonna do they're just it's just a fucking nightmare there
2: just imagine like like i I could totally see discovery going through and like dissolving the park oh yeah just eradicating all that movie history
1: yeah and I mean, again, I was told by people in the know that th- there's a chance that you're going to sell their characters. Like get rid of Batman and Superman. So and, and there's a scuttlebutt that like Marvel is interested in buying. Wait,
0: Which so
2: I- <laughs> would be interesting because you could actually do a Marvel DC crossover movie, which would make a billion dollars, but also... Like, who else is left? Like, Universal could buy them, and who else? Yeah. (laughs) Who else can afford it? Universal
1: and Paramount,
2: I mean... Paramount and Amazon, maybe?
1: Yeah, but then, I I mean, then are they going to stop publishing comics? Because, are they only buying them because they want to make a Batman movie, and they don't give a shit about the comics? I mean, I don't think There's a
2: ton of merchandise attached to those properties, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll happen, because the comic books are a way for them to get into it, but... You know, I- I'm just saying there, it's interesting for characters and a brand that makes them billions and billions of dollars a year that they treat it so
2: poorly. Can they just make their own DC studios? Like it's,
1: I mean, I guess you could. You just that's what Marvel a did. Yeah.
2: So I mean, Marvel attached to Paramount first and then they broke yeah. off. And
1: I mean, I guess eventually you could. I mean, I would, I, they need someone in charge who they need, they need a Kevin Feige, like in charge bad, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So anyways, <laughs> that's news. Um, Anything good all- to go out on? Uh, Yeah. Uh, ne- uh, next week, our film of the week is pray, which I'm really excited for um i've heard it's get really good reviews and uh, i read an interview with uh the director dan trackenberg and he said that the reason this is uh on hulu and not in theaters is because fox wants to see if there's uh it's like a test movie if there's room for blockbusters at home so he says it's not the budget hasn't been compromised and he didn't shoot it any differently but even though he knew it was going to go straight to streaming so it's so kind the, of the opposite of that you know
2: so even though Disney's been putting blockbusters on streaming for years they want to test another yeah. blockbuster on streaming Okay, my guess
1: is uh, mid level blockbusters like you know Batgirl size budgets on yeah. <laughs> streaming so everybody should watch Prey um, to prove that it's, uh, you know, a viable option and or don't because then they'll start putting it in theaters. I was kind of hoping that they would show it in theaters anyways. Um,
2: yeah. but- it's, it's weird the Like, um, like the Almars. This is always a bit of a question for me. Like, why don't these theaters that are struggling also program s- streaming, uh, events like, or events for stuff based on streaming to like, You know, it's like, why can't I watch all six episodes of Obi-Wan at the Alamo or Eagle or something, you know? Yeah, that is weird. Um, I don't know what they're doing. Like, like they should have the... Because, was it Andor? Looks Mm -hmm. impressive as hell. Like, that's probably, what, an hour-long show? Or The Mandalorian Season 3? Like, those premieres should be theater events like i agree they're they're quality like film level quality stuff so yeah agreed anyway yeah box over (laughs) uh should we uh lead in for uh corinne i guess
1: yeah uh corinne has sent us something honoring michelle nichols and she sent someone else i can't remember who she sent in to um hang on let me um Bring up her message uh, she sent me.
2: Another death. Ah, uh, yeah. Who did we miss? I feel bad. Um, Pat Carroll. Oh, the voice of Ursula.
1: Yeah. Um. So she she'll have that for us, and for you because you're listening to this.
0: Hey, nerds, and everyone listening at home, it's Corinne. I just wanted to share my thoughts. Even though I wasn't able to make it under the recording today, the nerds always seem to pick, like, the times when I'm working to record. Although, admittedly, I have a super weird schedule now, so it seems like I'm always working. Anyway, um, but I just wanted to pay tribute to two film icons that we lost this, this week, um, in Nichols and Pat Carroll. I'm not a fan of Star Trek the original series, I'm a fan of the overall franchise. I think I've said before that I watched uh, Next Gen and Voyager and some of Deep Space Nine with my dad growing up. Uh, I've never seen any of the original series or any of those movies, so for me, Nichelle Nichols, um, like I know she's Uhura, Lieutenant Uhura, um, but that's not where she makes the impact for me. For me, it's more of her work as uh, really as an activist and working with NASA and recruiting women and people of color for the space program and how she re- recruited uh, Sally Ride and others who in- became instrumental in NASA and deep uh, space exploration. And um, so I if if anybody of you have ever seen um, Drunk History, they do an excellent segment it you know it's it's for comedy but it is uh, fairly educational on um how she planned to leave star trek after the first season and she was actually convinced to stay on by dr martin luther king jr and she ended up becoming this major um figure in i don't know if i'd say civil rights but at least like pushing for more inclusion in the space program and so i know more of her work on that end um and I'm less familiar with her stage, uh, or film work, but, you know, obviously I know she made an, a major impact on a lot of people growing up, one of whom, uh, was, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, that Whoopi Goldberg got into acting after she saw Nichelle Nichols play Lieutenant Uhura, and, uh, so, <laughs> I mean, Whoopi Goldberg is who she is, um, but I do, uh, appreciate some of her filmography, but anyway... Um, so I just want to pay tribute to Nichelle Nichols and, uh, I wish her family the the best and my condolences at this time. If they happen to be listening and to all of her, her fans out there in, uh, in the, in the world, um, you know, I understand I'm alongside you, um, because we also lost this week, Pat Carroll, um, who personally made a, a bigger impact on my life. Um, obviously everyone knows her for her role, um, uh, for her work as Ursula, and of course that's how I know her best. Um, I've said many times on here before that I, I love The Little Mermaid. Um, Ursula is one of my favorite villains, Pat Carroll just brought such life to that character, and I appreciate that she and a lot of the other voice actors from the original movie came back for the sequels and for the TV show. And Pat Carroll, she came back for Little Mermaid 2, and she came back for the TV show and reprised Ursula, slash, played her evil twin sister, or whatever. Um, Yeah, but I want to also make sure that you guys know that her filmography extends far beyond uh, her work on The Little Mermaid, although, obviously, a lot of people in my generation, that's what we know her best for, but I also, uh, I just loved her performance on Garfield Christmas Special, uh, where she plays the grandma, who is such a character. She's so lively. She has such personality. She's, like, very, like, in-your-face, and um, but there's this one beautiful scene that's kind of toward, like, the two-thirds of the way through the special, which is pretty short, and I think it's all on YouTube, so I'd recommend you check it out, um, but... There's this quieter moment, and Garfield comes over to her, and she just kind of gives this little monologue about what Christmas means to her, why she misses the people that she does at this time of the year. And it's just such a beautiful moment. And when I heard she died, I did not go back to listen to Ursula. I went back to listen to Grandma from the Garfield Christmas special. Um, Because especially that moment now, it's even more poignant um knowing that she's gone. And she's also done a lot of other work. Um another thing I'm familiar with is she played someone in the English dub of my neighbor Totoro. I I want to say it was a grandma figure, but it might have been just like an elderly neighbor. I don't remember that well, but um I know she was in that movie and she wasn't in it much, but she did a great job, obviously. She was just a she she was a professional and she gave it her all on every single performance she did. And again, you know, obviously we know her best for Ursula, but she brought a lot of charisma and presence to every role she had. Um, so I want to pay tribute to her, to Nichelle Nichols, and what they brought the world and what they brought to the film um, medium as a whole, in their works and in their life. Um, So rest in peace, um, you two ladies. We will not forget you soon. And uh, thank you, nerds, for letting me interject my thoughts. Um, Hope to talk to you all soon with something happier. Bye.
1: Thanks, Corinne. Uh, Like I said, next week is going to be Prey. And the week after that is Film Explosion 2002. So make sure you send those lists in. I, I got to flag the ones we've already got, so I don't forget to talk about them on the show.
2: You um, got some, I didn't even see that. Yeah, we got
1: some uh, responses on Facebook and Twitter. I'll have to go back and look at them. It's the um, three
2: of us for this one?
1: I think so. I haven't heard from anybody else. so. Or is it just going to be the two of us, Brad? I don't know. <laughs>
2: well, Zach sent me his list, so he definitely intends to be on. All right, cool. But yeah, uh cares if Corinne or Henry we're gonna be on. Yeah, well
1: I'll send it out and we'll see. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the movies.
3: Bye. Well a real knows who shot. A real...
1: Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it!